Welcome to the discussion, Meeting the Need for Offensive and Defensive Cyber Teams, sponsored by Raytheon Intelligence in Space. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guests today are John Check, the Executive Director of the Cyber Protection Solutions at Raytheon Intelligence in Space. John D. Simone, the President of Cybersecurity Intelligence and Services at Raytheon Intelligence in Space. And James Thompson, the Director of the Raytheon Intelligence in Space Offensive Labs. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Thank you, Jason. Let me set just a little bit of context for our discussion. In sports, the saying goes, the best offense is a better defense. In cybersecurity, that adage is becoming more appropriate by the month and by the cyber attack. Now, this is true because over the last few years, the discussion around cybersecurity hasn't just focused on defensive operations. The government and industry have become more comfortable talking about certain cyber actions and their TTPs, techniques, tactics, and procedures. It's become clear that there are definite benefits to embracing offensive operations on top of an organization's typical defensive concepts. In fact, DOD recognized this need to find that right balance and develop cyber mission forces. Of the 133 teams it's planning on developing, U.S. Cyber Command has tasked 81 teams to defensive missions, 27 teams to offensive mission, missions, and an additional 25 teams will both support both offensive and defensive missions. So for how offense and defense cyber operators can work together to create more, an act, more of an active defensive posture, we're gonna to turn to our get, my guests. Again, uh, I'm joined by John Check, the Executive Director of Cyber Protection Solutions at Raytheon Intelligence and Space. John D. Simone, the President of the Cybersecurity Intelligence and Services at Raytheon Intelligence and Space. And James Thompson, the Director of RI and S Offensive Labs. Let me start with John D. Simone. John, there's a interesting that offense, defense should work together more uh, it's maybe a little bit of, of new viewpoint when it comes to cyber operations. Why does it matter? Why is this so important? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, in the past, Jason, that, you know, those, those two have always been separate, right? So, you know, for years, you couldn't even talk about offense, right? You had to use different terms called CNO or, or vulnerability research. Uh, and now I think it's coming out of the shadows, so to speak, and you're able to talk about, you know, what you can do, not only from an offensive standpoint to, to do the missions for, you know, our customers from a national security standpoint, but what can you do from an offensive standpoint to help defend your network? And that's where you start to see, you know, the integration between the offense and defense roles inside of an organization. And when you think about putting those two groups together and having them collaborate on the best postures to defend your enterprise, you know, you start to get into the mindset of an attacker, the tools, the techniques, understanding that helps you put a better defensive posture into your network. It also helps you understand you know, how to combat, you know, malware in a ways that you maybe never thought of in the past. So in other words, rather than just doing alerting and then figuring out how to contain and then cleanse, you can start to figure out how to go after it, maybe even attack the malware that's in your network to slow it down at a faster rate. So you're not in a long period of cycle time to, to return to normalcy. You can go after these things really quickly. So, so we see it as a, as a very important step in the future because we do think Part of defense, uh, you know, in the future is going to be a lot more when you hear the term active defense of so stepping out in, uh, inside the boundaries of your network and being a little bit more proactive in what you can do to combat these, these criminals that are coming in to, to, to do bad things in the enterprise and to upset our country. And when you describe more of an active posture, that means things like, I imagine, red teaming, blue teaming, and things more like hunting, threat hunting, using threat intelligence, maybe give a little bit more details about what this active defense could include. No, I think it could include all of those, right? But I also think when you think about, 
you, you know, different types of, there's different types of attacks. There's type, you know, things that are trying to deny or degrade uh, your operations or there's exfil, right? To pull information out for long, long-term persistence kind of engagement. So, so as you go back and think about active defense, you, you can also do things that shut things down as there, if you, you understand where the, the command and control of a, of a given malware is at, you can shut it down at the source, maybe, maybe degrade the server's capability to actually communicate with that malware. Or, or you can attack your own workstations to shut it down so it doesn't proliferate throughout the organization. So there, there's different levels that you can do. And I think if you can understand how attackers work, coming from a posture of knowing, be, being one of the attackers, then it gives you the ability to figure out which levels and which different techniques you can use to stop malware as it invades your network. This discussion we're having today is important because I think as agencies are seeing more cyber attacks and we're waiting on the latest data from the Office of Management and Budget to know just how tough things have become over the last year or so in terms of how many incidents or potential attack vectors. What, what's going on? What are you all seeing today? Is It feels like uh, we don't talk about cybersecurity and cyber attacks as much, but we, we know they're still going on. If John, check, or, or, or James wants to jump in here as well, feel free. Jason, I'm happy to jump in. This is John Check. Uh, you know, really, from our perspective, the, we look at the, the 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 lay of the land today. One of the key aspects that's really thwarting our defensive efforts, right? There's not enough cybersecurity talent to do all the roles we need them to do. Whether that's implementing the latest tool or you know actively hunting and performing active defense activities, like John D. Simone mentioned. So. That, that artificial separation between the offensive side, the defensive side, we don't have the luxury to do that. We need, you know, like anything, it's a team sport. We need those teams working together, actively informing each other to really do the work we need to perfect, to uh, defend our nation. That's we just, we don't have a luxury. There's just not enough people, uh, even if we wanted to have two separate teams. And, you know, without having those two sides informing each other, uh, that's one of the, the key aspects that we're probably you know, we're still in the infancy of trying of, of doing that across government today, of really understanding the true benefits of that, also understanding the the limitation we have around the workforce. John, check you bring up an interesting idea here of, of this idea that offense and defense are working together. Do they want to work together? I mean, you know, if you watch any sports teams, and this is the best analogy I'll make, is, is usually the defense have, you know, especially let's say in football, since we're almost in football season, they want us hang out on their side of the field and offense wants to hang out on their side of the field. And when they scrimmage, there's a lot of trash talking going on. Uh, is there, is that, is there some good trash talking between offense and defensive cyber operators too? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the, the offensive side always comes in and uh, clearly they, they're taking the high ground knowing that they have the firepower. They thought of new plays that, you know, we're catching up on with, with the defensive side. So that's the that's absolutely all sports analogies apply to the offense versus defensive side. Jason, you hit exactly the nail right in the head. That is exactly the way it works. But at the end of the day, we all know we're a part of the same team. and We have the same mission, right? We're trying to defend our way of life. And we recognize that, you know, that that healthy competition makes us both stronger. And that when, you know, the after action reports, when the offensive side and defensive side get together after an exercise and say, okay, Here's what we did. Here's what, you know, here's how we replied in the defensive side. The offensive side can really inform us of, hey, here's some things you could have done differently. Or the defense, the offensive side can also conversely provide us, the defensive side, with some, some uh, feedback saying, you know what, when you did that defensive measure, that really imposed a lot of additional time on what we were trying to accomplish or really thwarted our efforts. Appreciate the uh, uh, the little insights into in terms of how offense and defense get together. 
Uh, let me bring in James as well, because I think, you know, you are the head of the offensive lab at Raytheon Intelligence and Space. Uh, you're seeing this probably firsthand because you probably have some defenders and uh, offenders, uh, if you will, uh, together. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about the lab and, and how you are ingraining this kind of spirit or, or this, this idea of offense and defense working together. Yeah, Jason, be happy to talk about that. And, you know, one of the uh, one of the, the key features of, um, you know, offensive labs is building that talent that's so hard to find, uh, you know, whether it's offensive or defensive or, you know, a little bit of both. Um, you know, what we found, uh, you know, throughout the years of, uh, you know, living in these spaces is the skills that are that are really valuable in these arenas. Uh, there's there's a common set of skills, you know, how you uh, choose to apply those skills, either to an offensive mission or to a defensive mission. You know, that's uh, that really varies. But at the, the core, you know, a firm understanding, uh, foundational understanding of computer architecture and, and some of the key tenets of uh, the security research. Uh, that's what we're trying to build with offensive labs. The workforce piece has come up several times. John Check brought it up. Uh, James, you just brought up this idea of workforce. It, it, we, we've been talking about it over the years, I think there's a recent study that uh, there's a shortage of something like 66% of all cyber uh, roles are gonna be either unfilled or hard to fill over the next you know, three, five, seven years. How does bringing, uh, finding this common set of, of efforts to this firm understanding of computer architecture, how does that lead into better cyber workers and, and, and even bringing in people who maybe aren't traditionally trained in cybersecurity? Yeah, Jason, and you, and you hit exactly where I was going to go with that. Uh, you know, while we are, are very deep in the, uh, you know, both offensive and defensive cyber research, uh, you know, there's a lot of adjacent fields of engineering and computer science uh, that are not in this area today that have all of the uh, you know, the foundational core skills and knowledge uh, to make the leap into this arena. Uh, you know, I myself, you know, my career started, uh, you know, as a VxWorks uh, developer, um, you know, and after being in the, in the field for eight years, I made the transition into cyber and it's difficult. You know, even though it's the same set of skills, you know, you've got a real learning curve that you have to overcome to be able to to really succeed in this new uh, new arena. And that's where we're uh, really trying to focus our efforts with offensive labs is to make that transition easier for others. Uh, and to also for those folks that are really new into their career uh, to really get some, some momentum behind, uh, you know, their skills, their, their career to, to be successful. Hey, Jace, this is John B. Simone. I'd like to add, you know, on top of what James is, is talking about. I mean, I think, and also what John Check said earlier, I mean, we're, we're really running into a shortage. So what we believe, um, you know, when you think about where's the shortage coming from, one, there's just an over, overwhelming need for more missions and to keep pace with some of our adversaries because our adversaries have way more bodies and they don't, they, they have different rules of governments. So they can throw more people at it than we can. And then in our space, you know, we've got, we've got a couple of different challenges. One, you got a very, you know, very elongated security processes that are going on that we have to go through and, and it takes a little bit of time to get to get clear talent onto these missions. And then you have, you know, a lot of the outside influences like from the commercial industries that are coming in and, and, and recruiting and taking away talent from this mission space. So, so, so we have to be able to uh, manufacture talent. We can't just go out and continue to buy talent. We have to be able to grow and manufacture talent to keep pace one. And I think the second thing is we're trying to do with the offensive labs 
this whole you know conversation we're having on offense and defense kind of working together is we're going to need to optimize with the resources we currently have, which means we're, need to, we're going to need to leverage. So, so we're going to need to be more efficient, smarter as we work, and we're going to need to leverage the talent we have across both missions because we can't compete, in my view, and win on a body-for-body body kind of basis. We just can't throw more bodies at this problem and expect to win. We're going to have to get smarter. We're going to have to get you know, uh, more effective in what we're doing, you, you know, using tools to help leverage our capabilities and really hunt down and, and take the fight to the adversaries to kind, of, to kind of strengthen our position. Yeah, and I want to add, this is James, I want to add a little bit to that as well. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that John mentioned is, is very key, and that's really, uh, uh, you know, leveraging and and emphasizing the, the talent that we have today, in particular, those that, you know, not only are, are new to this arena, uh, but also those that want to pivot their career uh, and upskill themselves or, or, you know, go into a different area of uh, security research. Uh, you know, as it says today, our, our three tenants, uh, our skills tenants in offensive labs that we focus on are vulnerability research, binary reverse engineering, and computer network operations. Uh, and from there, you know, we can uh, supply talent to a, a broad range of, uh, of missions. Uh, but, you know, again, getting that, uh, getting the talent on board uh, or upskilling our, our current employees is, is something we're really focused on. You both mentioned tools, you mentioned people. I'm sure we'll continue that part of the conversation. But first, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. You're listening to the discussion, Meeting the Need for Offensive and Defensive Cyber Teams, sponsored by Raytheon Intelligence and Space on Federal News Network. Do you hear that? That's a cyber attack about to take down a national power grid. The only thing standing between it and its target? You. At Raytheon Intelligence and Space, you'll protect vital networks and work on the forefront of cyber operations. We're looking for qualified software and systems engineers, vulnerability researchers, cyber threat analysts, and more to make a safer, more connected world. Visit rtx.com cyberjobs today. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion, Meeting the Need for Offensive and Defensive Cyber Teams, sponsored by Raytheon Intelligence and Space on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are John Check, the Executive Director of Cyber Protection Solutions at Raytheon Intelligence and Space, John D. Simone, the President of Cybersecurity Intelligence and Services at Raytheon Intelligence and Space, and James Thompson, the Director of the RI and S Offensive Labs. For break, we we're talking about the workforce. And there's one thing that James was talking about as he said, we want we're really focused on three different skills, vulnerability research, binary reverse engineering, and computer network operations. But the one thing James didn't say was offense or defense in those. So let me ask John Check to maybe lead us off for this segment. Why is it important that you're not naming somebody who's offense or not naming someone who's defense, but really you're understanding both? Why is that important? Well, like, like we talked about earlier, Jason, you know, you asked, uh, is there a healthy uh, competition between the offensive side and defensive side. Really, we're trying to remove that stigma. As John D. Simone mentioned, we're trying to manufacture the, the, the talent that we need to support all missions we have, right? To really have that, that uh, person that understands both. And really, but, you know, historically, if you were a defensive track, you were trained very specifically and you never really did some of the activities that James described. And so we're really focused on removing that stigma, recognizing that to truly be as effective as a cybersecurity professional can be, they really need to understand how both sides work because that will lead to 
absolute uh, aha moments where they'll realize, I know exactly what this attacker is, is doing because this is how I learned about that, act, that activity. And they can think of a new way to defend uh, that maybe we haven't thought of before. So it's 100% trying to remove that, that stigma of are you offense or defense? You know what? Everybody should be a bit of both from our perspective. And that's really the talent we're trying to manufacture. Yeah, and this is James. I want to add a little bit to, to what John was saying. You know, uh, the the combination of offense and defense is, is both direct and indirect with, with some of the work that we're doing. Uh, by indirect, uh, you know, for example, a, a, a defensive researcher is, is going to benefit greatly from understanding how an attacker builds, you know, attack trees, which vectors are, are, are most likely uh, uh, to be followed, uh, the tools that are used, the techniques uh, that are used. And just getting an understanding of of who's going to be you know attempting to breach the system, um, a more direct you know uh, method of that combination um, uh, can be seen in some of the uh, some of the research that we're doing, um, what I'll call more of an active defensive posture, uh, where as a uh, malware uh, infects a system, you know, we can attack that malware directly. You know, we can go offensive, you know, against this, uh, this, the, this intruder, you know, as a means of active defense. Um, so, you know, again, the, the benefits from combining offensive and defensive postures and, uh, and skills really is, is broad sweeping. James, traditionally are, if you're if you were trained as a defensive cyber person, did you not understand, or you only had a minimal understanding of how an offensive cyber person thinks? And you were, you know, defense is put the walls up, you know, dig the deeper mode, right? We can use all those analogies we've used over the years, but but you didn't really maybe get in the mind of that offensive attacker. That, that's correct. Uh, you know, typically the the training would be more focused on you know what are the uh, what are the proven techniques, tools, tradecraft that uh, that have proven valuable with a defensive posture? And that's where the focus would, would really be applied. Uh, what we're trying to do with offensive labs is, you know, we're trying to, uh, to really instruct on, uh, you know, not only the, uh, the face of the attack when it occurs, but also all of the, uh, the, the tradecraft that goes on prior to the attack. You know, how do you build fuzzers? How do you uh, really uh, uh, weaponize, uh, you know, uh, exploits that are known about a system? How is the research done? So we're really getting all the students in that mindset to be a, a, a really well-rounded uh, engineer. And many times, and I'll, I'm no offensive or defensive cyber expert by any means, but many times my understanding is uh, when you're on the attack, you're like water, right? You're finding the path of least resistance. What, What's the open door? Wait a minute. I don't want it to break through the door. I want to just go through the open door. And I think defenders don't necessarily think in that realm sometimes. Right. And I think you're exactly right. You know, the uh, uh, the old notion of, uh, uh, you know, why break through the front door if you could just walk around the side? Um, and that's exactly the mindset of an attacker, you know, uh, you know, not only at the time of the attack, but all of the research that, that goes into, you know, uh, the time that you have the luxury of spending prior to the attack taking place is a strong advantage to the attacker versus the defender. And that is the reason why when we talk a lot about zero trust these days, and boy, do we talk a lot about zero trust these days. That's why offensive 
ideas and concepts become more important. Maybe John DeSimone jump in here a little bit and talk a little bit about why is offense a good defense for zero trust? Yeah, thanks, Jason. Uh, so what I kind of following on what James was talking about, where, where we, I think where we see this going, right? When you think about zero trust, right? And, and you generalize it, it's obviously you get kind of micro segmentation of, of what's happening inside your, 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 your enterprise, right? So you can understand the transactions that are occurring and, and be able to thumbs up or thumbs down them. So when you think about the offensive mindset, you know, and, and the capability of shutting things down. So when you, your current defensive posture says, oh, do I have a problem? What do I do with the problem? I isolate or do I need to disinfect and somehow. But again, as I said you know, in the last segment, you know, you, you may want to take an offensive view to that too and say, look, if I've got an infected PC, I've got a transaction that's moving, you know, funny, I'm not clear with, do I want to do some form of of denial of service to, to uh, that, that, that PC or that network segment or even a broader range to keep the, the, the infection from spreading. And then not only that, if I can find the command and control apparatus that's dealing with that malware, you know, and, and adjacent to shutting it down at the source, turn around and do a denial of service back so I can, you can shut down the comms or you can turn around and think about how if you really understand it, you, you can turn around and spoof it and you, you you can become the command and control apparatus for the malware and, and handle it so it doesn't exfil a lot of the data out of your system. So so if you think like an offensive of, of, of mindset and, and you figure out inside of your own enterprise and you have the luxury of a zero trust architecture, it gives you a lot more capability and a lot more opportunity to, to, to defend yourself and to stop attackers inside and outside of your network. Yeah, and this is James. I want to add a little bit to, to what John was talking there. Not only do you have the benefit of, you know, an offensive mindset, but now you can also bring in offensive tools, you know, tools that were tra traditionally used for an offensive, you know, purpose for that defensive posture, you know, whether it's hardware virtualization or, you know, a, a whole host of, of other tools. Now you have a, a broader toolbox at your defensive, uh, you know, positioning. The tools are key here, too, because in many ways, and I think uh, it was James, you may have said this earlier, but it may have been somebody else. Uh, this idea that they're never going to have enough workers. You're never going to be able to hire. I think John DeSimone was saying that, that, you know, there's this huge competition for not just cyber experts, but for technology uh, employees across the board. So the tools have to play a bigger role. And I think when we talk about zero trust, that brings in a lot of these tools, whether it's continuous monitoring or asset management or the like. Maybe talk a little bit about the, the balance of tools and people and, and what does that look like and how to strike that balance? Yeah, Jason, this is John. I'll, I'll jump in and then I'll let John check kind of get in because I know he's been heavy into a lot of the tools in his business. I, I, I think I think if you think if you break it into two aspects, right? You still have your defensive tools and those tools are meant to, you know, and it's, you know, well, you step back, I think across the defensive and offensive, I mean, you have a data thread, the understanding and the data analytic piece, you have some common tool sets that have to be there. And I think if we can make advancements, and I think as we continue to push on the AI piece of uh, on the data analytics front, you're going to, you're going to advance both the offensive defensive mission. And then I think as they come together, you know, as we talked about in zero trust, it's going to be more beneficial. So you're obviously, you're going to need to push tools to help you know, handle the massive amounts of data that's coming in. So, so to give the alerts and the kind of the old school core mission of, of the defensive uh, cyber engineer. I think on the offensive side, 
you know, it's the same thing. I think there's going to be a new front of tools developed where, you, you know, I'm not saying you're going to see it, but I guess maybe I am saying it. You're going to see kind of commercialized offensive capability tool sets to be run inside of people's enterprise. I think that's where the future is going to have to go, where, where you know, obviously there's no offensive tools on the market, you know, but I think that's what's going to have to happen. And it'll be bolt onto these defensive systems to allow you to do things inside your own, uh, own network that to give you faster response time. So I think those tools or the new kind of market, the things that'll be that'll be out there, and they'll be, but they're not going to replace defense. They'll, they'll augment the current stacks that are out there, um, all with the common thread of how do you do more, uh, get more accomplished with less with less, you know, personnel. John, hey, you yes, sir, dude. This is John Check. So really, you know, one of the the, the 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 there's no doubt there are plenty of tools out there for people to decide to use, and it's the just install this that just doesn't work. Right. That, that is absolutely no way to ensure that you're going to get to a zero trust posture. It's really about what are you doing to configure, integrate and really build those into your total active defense and how you're going to defend your enterprise against attackers. And so if, you're, if you have a blind spot to by taking an offensive mindset to how can you actively attack those attacks when they're within your enterprise, you're really missing a key part of what your defensive posture needs to be. And, it, and getting back to, you know, well, how do you do that? And one of the key aspects of proliferating the good tools as fast as we can, the Achilles heel and the, the, the bottleneck every time is having people that truly understand how that tool would, would integrate within an environment because every environment's different. Everybody's at a different level of maturity within their cybersecurity enterprise. And, and Zero Trust is a great example of that, right? Where there's certainly people that are out ahead of that and people that are just in the, you know, figuring out what zero trust is, despite all of our best efforts to use it in every sentence we speak these days. Um, so I've really, it's really all about, for me, that, that offensive side, that's just a critical part. And so what, you know, we've really focused on the things that we have been using in the past and using those, those tools, repurposing them to do the same thing except to defend networks. I really see that as a critical aspect and that all ties back into us, you know, building that talent base that we know is going to have to be uh, there to support these tools and get out of the, the just install environment to all the other activities you need to do after you've installed something, right? The, the implementation, the uh, care and feeding of something, right? The maintenance of once you've had, and then the sunsetting and what's the next thing you're going to replace it with once that tool is overcome by events or is, or is aged out. Uh, certainly with this pace of cyber, that happens with a great level of frequency. And you want to be a, you want to be as agile as you can to bring in that next uh, capability that's really going to be effective for you. John, you brought up some great points there. Be agile, understand what active defense is, and of course, the combination of tools and people. And unfortunately, that's where we're going to have to leave it for today because we're out of time. Gentlemen, uh, this was a fascinating conversation. So let me thank my guests. John Check is the Executive Director of Cyber Protection Solutions at Raytheon Intelligence and Space. John D. Simone is the president of the Cybersecurity Intelligence and Services at Raytheon Intelligence and Space. And James Thompson is the director of the Raytheon Intelligence and Space Offensive Labs. John, John, James, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Jason. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion Meeting the Need for Offensive and Defensive Cyber Teams, sponsored by Raytheon Intelligence and Space on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Raytheon Intelligence and Space.
Thank you for listening to the discussion, Meeting the Need for Offensive and Defensive Cyber Teams, sponsored by Raytheon Intelligence and Space on Federal News Network.